It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. If you could put all the wonders of the world into one place, you'd end up with something very much like Key Largo. Key Largo is not only the gateway to the Keys, it's the launching point for the untamed Florida Everglades. In fact, from snorkeling our living coral reef to fly fishing the Everglades backcountry, Key Largo offers the best of both worlds. For more about Key Largo and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash keylargo. Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Ladyboy Gigi. And on tonight's edition of Adult Bedtime Stories, we're going to cover the topic, A Journey into BDSM, A Pathway to Psychosexual Healing. And I'd like to clarify a little bit about this. BDSM isn't the only pathway to psychosexual healing, but it is a very powerful pathway to psychosexual healing. And too often, many of us have been wounded 
from living in such a sex-negative culture. And I think especially for me when I was growing up, shame and guilt around sexuality was such a non-productive and very unhealthy set of feelings that were instilled in me from early on. And I think that one of the things that really helped me in my life was being introduced into BDSM, which I kind of at first thought was really kind of weird and demented and who would get off to beating on someone or who would get off to being beaten up. And I thought, this is kind of sick. (laughs) This isn't healthy. And then I had a boyfriend that kind of got me into it. And it was kind of an interesting way that he introduced me into it and kind of got me opening my mind to the possibilities. Before I go too deep into this story, I do have Paul with me. Hey, guys. (laughs) And I know that for a lot of people, you probably look at BDSM as I did when I first started out. I thought, this is kind of weird stuff. (laughs) And I don't think I want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. (laughs) And... Then I discovered some things. BDSM has a lot of paradoxes. It has a lot of things that it looks one way at the surface, but when you dig just a little bit deeper, it's something totally different. And one of the things I discovered fairly early on, but I didn't really clarify it in my mind until a few years ago, I guess, is that in BDSM there is a symbiotic, relationship between the dominant and the submissive. It's not parasitical. One's not feeding just off the other. Both are feeding off each other, and both are benefiting from it. So any thoughts about all this, Paul? When I was younger, about 14 years old, I first encountered BDSM through porn, and I thought to myself, Oh, isn't this sad that these people have to do these things to each other? Clearly, they've got some deep-seated problem, and if only they could work through that problem, they wouldn't have to do this to each other. And I kind of kept that general mindset until I was in my 20s, and I had befriended a group of people, and a lot of the people in that group were into BDSM. And I really liked them. They were all really amazing, beautiful people. And as I saw them go through the process of BDSM with each other, it dawned on me like, oh, this is how they are working on those problems. This is the way that they are working through those traumas. And it completely changed the way I looked at it and I was at a party and people were having a good time and drinking lightly and at one point one of the girls there took off her belt and started slapping it against her hand and she said okay who's first and I raised my hand I was like I've never done this before let me give it a shot And she had me 
get naked and get on all fours and she started warming me up with the belt and I realized oh this feels really good and I told her you can go a little bit harder and she went harder and it started to feel even better and I was like oh I really like that you can go a little bit harder and she went a little bit harder and I got more and more and more into it and I kept on asking her you know, go harder, go harder, you can go harder. And at one point she said, no, Paul, no, I can't go harder. I'm going as hard as I can. And then I looked around the room and everyone's eyes were shocked because I was a first timer. And here I had this girl wailing on me and it made me realize, oh, I actually am really into this. And that started me down a journey that did a lot to feed me and build me. And in the beginning, I was mostly into it for the good feelings, for the yummy endorphins. And I mostly viewed it as fun. And it stayed that way until I got to know you better and <laughs> learned how you did BDSM and how you did BDSM not just for the good feelings, but to bring about monumental change in people's lives. And it was really incredible. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are into it just for the fun. And that can be an awesome thing. When I first got into it, it got my dick really hard and got me all turned on sexually. And when I first got into it, most people... Combining sex and BDSM was kind of a taboo thing. It wasn't done much, and I was told repeatedly, oh, no, we don't combine the two. <laughs> and even today, a lot of people like to keep sexuality and BDSM separate. But I also realized that I was kind of broken when I came into the scene. And through the process, I went through a lot of healing processes. I think part of it I, was the catharsis, just being able to play different roles and bring out some of the darker side of myself, play it out in a safe environment, and have someone guide me through this, the dominant, because I started out as a submissive, and back then, being a switch, I kind of liked the idea of being a dominant, but back then you could either be a dom or a, switch, uh, or a submissive. And you couldn't be both. <laughs> Nowadays, things have changed a lot, and I identify as a switch. I still enjoy being submissive at times, and I enjoy being the dom. And I do come to BDSM from a different perspective than a lot of people do. I bring the spiritual side, and I kind of think of being a dominant this way as if we are a type of shaman, if we're doing it from the right place. And so a big part of it for me is I'm here to get into someone's headspace get into their mind and work with what's going on in this person. 
my submissives. Now, I would like to stop here for a moment and just talk a little bit about what is BDSM, because a lot of people don't know. Well, it stands for bondage and discipline and sadomasochism. And while that's kind of helpful terminology, what BDSM really is about is about working through our stuff. We all have dark monsters lying within our psyche, the darker side of ourselves. And often in our modern culture, we're just taught to stuff those feelings away and not deal with them, not work through them. And too often, I think what happens, and I think it happened in the case of my father, he kept stuffing all this anger and all this frustration and bottling it up inside. And then he'd come home and here I was, ADHD, like a live wire all over the place. <laughs> well, guess who got the brunt of that anger when the bottle exploded? It was non-consensual, it was inappropriate, and it just was disastrous for me. I think for both of us, really, it was very unhealthy. And I think that's one of the things I see about BDSM, is it gives us a safe environment with full negotiation and safe words, full consent, before we enter into this arena to explore our darker side. And we do it safely. We have safety protocol in place, and we work at it to bring about a healing. Now, a lot of doms do it just for the fun, but the side effect is that it still brings about a degree of healing because part of the properties of BDSM is it allows us to express those darker emotions in a safe environment and reach catharsis. And we take all those demons out of the bottle and deal with them. And for the dominant, sometimes it's the sadistic side of ourselves, that need to punish and take pleasure out of seeing someone writhe in pain or taking pleasure in torturing someone. And that can feel so good and bring about such a release. I would like to clarify, as I dom, I never dom from a place of anger. Now, I deal with anger when I dom sometimes, but I don't come into the scene in a place of anger. I come into the scene just to fulfill my sadistic needs. And I can deal with the anger as it comes up, but you don't want to come into a scene with really strong negative emotions and go out of control. A big part of BDSM is about creating a safe environment, a protected environment, where we can explore these darker sides of our nature. And we all have it in us. I mean, all of us have moments when we think things like in the spur of the moment, someone does something really horrifically bad to us, and we think, oh, I just want to slam their head into the wall. <laughs> but we can't act on it, and so we stuff all that in. 
And I think one of the big things that occurs, whether you intend it to or not, is that all the players reach a type of catharsis. It's bringing all that out and just letting it go, giving it up to the universe. It can be such an amazing release to take all that negative stuff that you've been stuffing inside and uncorking the bottle and saying, okay, let it pour out, but within safety protocol. And by doing so, it's so liberating and freeing, and there's so much growth that can occur for both the dominant and the submissive. You look like you have something you want to add in here. So one of the things I've dealt with a lot, and it's something that I find is pretty common in people who practice BDSM, I've dealt with various types of abuse and trauma through my life, um, some sexual trauma, um, abusive relationships, a really screwed up childhood, being introduced to really dark people in my formative years that shook up my world. And for me, BDSM is a way that I can face those fears head on. I can go through simulated abuse and work through some of my feelings of actual abuse. I can work through my sexual trauma through pushing myself in ways that may not immediately feel comfortable, but the reason that it doesn't is because of that sexual trauma. It allows me to face a lot of these things head on, and because pain is such a transformative force in our lives, through the the pain of the scene, I'm able to take all of those traumas that I experienced and purify them through my body, through the pain, by allowing the pain to come into my body and not fighting it and accepting it. And then afterwards, I get rewarded with amazing body sensations and I go into headspace and I'm floating in ecstasy and all of a sudden there's a shift that takes place inside of me and a lot of times after a particularly intense scene especially if we've been talking about some particular trauma that has been affecting me in the hours afterwards and the days afterwards I find a clarity that I didn't have before and I purge a lot of those negative dark feelings inside of me. I untether myself from my trauma and I'm allowed to allow amazing sexual feelings that I was afraid of before and I'm able to put 
the trauma in context and it is completely life-changing oh yeah and i'd like to kind of illustrate this a little bit i wonder how many of you have met someone that's has this really negative perspective. You can almost sense it, but sometimes you even hear it because some people do vocalize their self-talk. And I've seen it in a few people where they go, oh, I'm just no good at this. I'll never succeed. I'm just a loser. I'm lousy. And they think, oh, people can't be trusted. I have to stay on guard all the time. And think about that person for a minute, and then a person that has a different attitude and value system, a person that has the kind of mind talk that says, oh, wow, life is a beautiful experience. When I meet new people, there's always opportunities for growth and for becoming more aware and learning from others. I can be who I want to be. I am a successful, confident person. And that's their mind talk that they go through. And think about how each of those persons view the world. And I'm illustrating this because we all go through life making our world. And part of our world that we build is influenced heavily by attitudes and values. It's influenced by some of our mind talk, what we tell ourselves. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And oftentimes, I've seen people with that negative attitude, the way they work on a problem versus the person with a positive attitude and with that positive self-talk. They approach it totally different, and the results comes out. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've seen too often people will, and I did this myself at one time. I just thought, oh, I'll never amount to anything. I'm dyslexic. I'm fucked up. I'm ADHD. I'll never amount to anything. And I didn't even try that hard. I thought, Why try? I'm just going to fail anyway. That was what I kept telling myself. And it was through BDSM, in part, and in part having someone guide me, my dominant, and he told me, he said, every morning when you get up, after you brush your teeth, look in the mirror and say, Gigi, I love you. You're a beautiful, wonderful person. Do this for 60 days. (laughs) Just that one thing started me on this path. It was like all of a sudden within 60 days, things started changing in my life. And it's because I started making the world differently. We do go through this process of world making. And if you think about it, what is reality? Well, what we get of the material world comes through our senses. And not only does it come through our sensory perception, our sensory perception is to some degree influenced by our attitudes and values. And so if you have this negative 
kind of suspicious nature and you're constantly on the lookout for what can go wrong, well, guess what you're going to focus in on? All the things that can go wrong. You don't see the whole picture. And so you do create this world where you see all the things that could go wrong and with a little bit of imagination and maybe even some self-sabotage, you set the stage where they will go wrong. I did that myself in the sense that I self-sabotaged by saying, oh, I'm not even going to try that hard. I'm going to fail anyway. Once I turned that around and I started changing my mind talk and saying, well, if I take a different approach, learn it the way I can learn it, and maybe come at it from a different perspective, it may take me more time than other people. I may have to do it differently, but if others can do it, I can do it. And I developed that attitude. And all of a sudden, my world shifted. It transformed. And I became successful. And for the first time in my life, I was able to do things that I thought, wow, I can't believe I actually made it through this. <laughs> and so I think it was in part the paradoxes of BDSM that kind of gave me that insight into how we work and how this process of world-making, because doing a BDSM scene, and here's the magic I find, is that we create this kind of environment around us. We fill it with props. We do this power exchange between the dom and the sub, and we role-play. And through the role-play, all of a sudden we create this kind of fantasy story and bring it alive during this scene and a major shift occurs in our lives and all of a sudden we see the world differently we make the world differently and that's the magic of BDSM for me but I wanted to have Paul share a little bit from his perspective because I've been in this a long time and I've been doing a lot of from both perspectives. But before I bring Paul on, I would like to say that BDSM, for both the Dom and the submissive, it truly is a symbiotic relationship. We both grow. We both get something good out of this. It's not one feeding off the other. And that's the illusion. It looks like, oh, the Dom's just wailing on this person. They're forcing them and they're taking all the energy and the dom's getting nothing but pain. Well, no, that's just the illusion. <laughs> but I'd like to ask you, Paul, what shifted for you when you started really getting some growth out of all this? And I know you probably have experienced growth at different levels at different times, but what are some of the major shifts that occurred for you? So when I started doing PDSM, it was mostly for the good feelings and it was for the fun. But even then, I had been struggling with 
having a lot of chronic pain. Every muscle and every joint in my body hurts 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter what I do. And so being a masochist and discovering that I was a masochist, it allowed me to go fully into the world of pain and to receive a lot of pleasure through pain. And it changed the way that I thought about my pain and it made it a lot easier for me to deal with my day-to-day -day pain because when I woke up and my body was hurting like it hurt but it was nothing compared to what I did for fun last night you know <laughs> so and I'd like to stop you there and jump in and say one thing about pain in our culture we're often taught to avoid pain and we try to block it out it's like pain is seen as something bad and something to be avoided at all costs. And often if you have a condition like yours where you are in a lot of pain, there's not a way to block it really effectively. You just have to live with it. But you're still making that attempt to block it. We all do. But in BDSM, one of the things I learned about pain was that pain has a positive side, and there's different types of pain. When I stub my toe, it hurts, and I curse, and I see stars, and I don't like it. <laughs> what I found was interesting, though, was that when I get into a very intense BDSM scene as a submissive, and I've got a dominant that's being wicked, cruel, and very sadistic with me and watching me writhe in pain. That's a different kind of pain. And I call it kind of an erotic pain. It may not be overtly erotic, but, I mean, think about this. Every time you give someone a spanking on the butt, you're sending vibrations all through that region, and it goes into the genitals to some degree. And it does bring, a, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, it brings kind of an erotic element to the pain. And I think that one of the dynamics about pain is that once you kind of recognize, okay, there's different types of pain, and this I kind of did on my own, I finally said, okay, why am I fighting this? This is kind of a good thing. It's doing something really amazing for me. And so I quit fighting it, and I started embracing it. I used to get up on the cross, and when I was about to receive a spanking with a paddle, my butt and leg muscles would tense up, and I'd brace myself for the impact, and, and I'd kind of struggle and fight it. And then I thought, well, what if I did something different? What if I just relax, embrace it, and take it in? And so I tried that, and it was amazing. The pain shot all the way into my core being. And in a strange sort of way, the pain was still there consciously, but it went to the background. And all of a sudden... The pain transformed into a type of ecstasy. And all of a sudden, I was flying in subspace. 
and the endorphins were going off right and left and all of a sudden the pain just transformed it became something else it still hurt a little bit but that was kind of background noise and I started flying on this journey inward journey the journey into our inner psyche and I realized okay quit fighting the pain embrace it this is a good type of pain now I'm not going to go around stubbing my toe that's bad pain to me and others may define it differently however you define it it's how you define it it's neither good nor bad it works for you or it doesn't but this was one of the things that worked for me was to start embracing the pain in the BDSM scene and really breathe it in and take it in fully and and through the process I found that pain was a purification it was a cleansing it washed through me and transformed me and I became something totally different than before I started doing that and it just made such a huge impact in my life that I see you want to jump in here. (laughs) So that was kind of the beginning for me was learning to change my view of pain and learning how to deal with my pain. And then I got introduced a few years later to the idea of service and BDSM. And that immediately touched something in me because I've always been a very service-oriented person. I've always really liked helping people and doing things to make their lives easier. There's um, this concept of different love languages, and one of the love languages is service, and it's the one that I naturally do the most. Well, I think you resonate very deeply with the concept of being the servant and being the submissive. And I know I did at one point in my life. I still do at times. Yeah. So that was the next key step for me. And then that was about six years into my BDSM journey. And that's when you asked me to come and do a festival with you and help run Temple. And it was the first time I had been in Temple, but I hadn't helped be a part of Temple up to that point. And that weekend was so magical. I got so much out of it. I had so much energy and helping teach people really made me feel really good and helping you set up and tear down and being there was really important. And after that weekend, you were having me help you film one of your training videos. And we got to talking and I was asking questions of you and you were answering them. I remember talking to you about how I was struggling because 
I wanted to have a strong sex life, but I always wound up getting really obsessed with the people that I got sexually interested in and really emotionally attached. And I asked how I could change that. And you said, well, for that, I don't have an easy answer, but I can show you the way. But that would require you worshiping me and accepting me as your dom. And that was when you invited me to train under you. Mm-hmm. And that's when things really started to pick up for me. Having a dom that wasn't just for a play scene, but someone who would guide me. And you've done a great job of really helping to guide me. And I really look at you as a mentor and teach me about my body and teach me about the limits of my body and really spend a lot of time thinking hard about the next steps to take with me and build this naturally unfolding process really helped me a lot. But at first I was rebellious. I wanted very much to to serve you. And I feel like I was doing the best of my ability, but I really hadn't dedicated myself to the degree that I needed to to get the most out of the relationship with you. And at the time, I was going through a relationship of my own that was hard and in some ways um, that took a lot of my energy away from me. I was still living with my best friend and ex and we were going through problems and I had a lot of stuff building up in my life and I wasn't as dedicated to my training as I should have been and I was honestly calling it in a lot and then this summer you were out of town and a lot of things in my life just went completely up in smoke. I got kicked out of the place where I was living. I broke up with my partner at the time. And I had so much pain and hurt and fear. And I was really in bad shape when you got back into town and I was not serving you well. And I took a break. And you respected my need for space. And we talked a lot about it. And you helped me process a lot of my feelings about it. And then I finally was able to do some healing. I was able to purify my mind and get on a better track. And then I started training under you again. And all of a sudden... Everything clicked into place. And all of a sudden, I was really 110% dedicated to our training. And I listened to you. And I 
took your advice and I stopped questioning you. I stopped fighting you on things for the most part. And all of a sudden, a lot of rapid change happened all at once. And one of the things that I think is really important to me is having you as a guiding force in my life. But I am not simply doing your will. You ask me all of the time what I want out of life, where I want to go with things. One of the first things we tackled when I started training again was on organization, organization of my space, organization of my time. I started setting goals for myself every day. And then we talked about my year-long goals and broke it down into monthly goals and broke that into weekly goals. And all of a sudden, I am able to do so much more with the time that I have and not get overwhelmed because one of the, the fears that I had that I shared with you was that I had gone through these times where I went through a lot of growth at one time, but it wasn't sustainable. I wound up getting overwhelmed. I wound up getting burnt out. And then I kind of stopped being able to handle it. And I reverted back to old bad habits. And through your guidance, you have taught me how to not get overwhelmed with those things and to take things one at a time instead of seeing the whole big picture of all of the things that I need to work on and change all at once and tackling them item by item and discovering my life's passions and really building me up and feeding me and teaching me a way to have this sustainable, slow growth that continues to build over time has been completely and earth-shatteringly life-changing to me. Mm. <laughs> and I have seen such growth in you. I know that part of it was just setting some boundaries and... That's part of the process of, that occurs in BDSM. Early on, we set boundaries. And some of the boundaries are just on what's off limits, what's good, what's soft limits, what's hard limits. We explore all that. But also, I think an important concept that we went through was organization and how... I remember describing to you, you put your car keys down somewhere and you forget, and then you spend two hours searching for them frantically, wasting all that time and energy. And through organization, all of a sudden I'm seeing you not spending all this wasted time searching frantically. You have more energy because you're not in that frantic state, oh, where the fuck did I put them? And it's not just car keys, it's many other things, your medications, your just everything. 
and by organization it has kind of cleared not just the time but your energy to put it into other endeavors yeah i thought it was funny the other day i was hanging out with my ex-partner and we went to this art show and i saw a friend i haven't seen in a while and we were catching up and he asked how i was doing with with you with my dom and i said oh great like so many great things are happening and i told him all about working on the organization and getting into my life passions, studying math and looking into growing bonsai trees and all of these things that I've found this well of passion for. And he went, huh, I didn't think that that was a service that a dom could give you. I thought it was all whips and chains. I kind of <laughs> laughed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to take a little station break. Boy, the time's flying by. We're at 46 minutes already. <laughs> um, for those that are interested in really exploring BDSM and doing it patterned after the style I do BDSM, which is really getting into the psychosexual healing, being more of a shaman, type dom and nothing wrong with being a regular dom i mean i was there many many years but if you're interested in learning more about how i do this stuff uh, pack it into my training programs on raven's lair the bdsm basics training the intermediate training and the advanced training and I get into a lot of psychosexual dynamics. I even have a training on crisis intervention and suicide intervention because you need to have the tools in case things go wrong. Now, fortunately, I've never had an instance where I needed those tools, but I have them at my disposal if I need them. And for a lot of times, I went to BDSM conferences and, you know, I was really fascinated in emotional edge play and working with the psychological side. And every workshop I'd gone to, they said, for psychological safety, you just have to avoid the emotional landmines. And I thought, that's not good enough. <laughs> and because my background is in social work, and I worked in a mobile crisis unit, I thought, well, let me put together a crisis intervention and suicide intervention, because I have seen it come up in the community. And I started putting together these trainings, and then I started working on more trainings, and then I wrote a book called The Dominant Sandbook, An Intimate Guide to BDSM, and I also have that for sale on my website. So if you're interested in really learning how to do BDSM, and even if you're not into the psychosexual elements, you just want to have fun with it, there are ways to build in safety protocols, and I cover all that in the trainings. How to work with a sub, and there's so many types of BDSM. I mean, I've known people that 
aren't into pain at all, not into any kind of impact or torture play. They're more into the bondage. And bondage can be such an amazing experience too. There's many people that are into the littles, being a little or being a daddy or a mommy too little. And littles are kind of a childhood regression. It's being able to be a little child within a safe environment for a time period while you do that scene. And littles, you don't have any kind of discipline. I mean, it's mostly just allowing a child, the inner child, to come out and play. <laughs> so there's many different types of BDSM play scenes and roles you can play out. So it's not always just about pain. Now me, I have a sadistic side, and I love the pain, both as a dominant and as a submissive. And I especially like genital torture. It's so exquisite. And I teach all these things. The only thing I don't really teach, because there's others out there that do it so much better than I do, is rope bondage. Now I know how to do it, but I don't put it in my training materials. But I do have references to where you can go for that training, if that's what you're into. So anyway, visit ravenslayerleather.com and check out some of the BDSM training programs. Any words? <laughs> Another way that you can help support this podcast is to visit our Patreon page. We have a link to it on our website. And if you just want to go there, you can go to patreon.com forward slash ladyboygigi, and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Any support that you can give us would really help us a lot, whether it's $1 a month or $5 a month or $10,000 a month if you're <laughs> Howard Hughes and really <laughs> like what we do. Mm -hmm. And I would like to say there are things that I would like to do that for this show that I'm not able to right now because of financial considerations. I don't have an unlimited budget, and so far I've been providing the entire budget for this show. It would help out to get some people supporting us because my pocketbook is not infinite very the opposite it's very limited <laughs> but anyway back to our topic i'd like to kind of ask you paul i know that things have changed i'd like to have you kind of go through one of the really big changes that you've experienced recently and describe what changed for you and how it's impacted your life and and get into some of those juicy details. <laughs> so one of the aspects of our BDSM relationship, we very recently went from having sessions once a week to going 24-7. And that was a big step for both of us. And... So far, it has been really incredible. And some of the things 
that have happened around that seem kind of subtle on the surface, but they have much bigger effects in me that I can tell. I was already doing a lot of things like changing my organization and getting on a regular schedule and kind of getting my life organized. But after going 24-7, I've felt this tremendous shift in me. And part of what allows that is when I do something that is a behavior that I need to replace with a different behavior, I get punishments from you. And punishments aren't like regular scenes. When we do a punishment, you tell me to go to your room or sometimes to the studio. And I have an altar in the studio and you have an altar in your room. And you have me get on all fours and face the altar and have a writing crop in my hand and I sit there and I wait and a lot of times And actually the writing crops in your mouth. Oh that I I thought I said mouth. I said hands. In my mouth. And a lot of times you let me sit for a while so that I can meditate on the altar and think about my transgression and think about the behavior that I want to replace my transgression with and then you come in and you give me a punishment and for punishments I don't get much of a warm-up at all so that the the lesson can really run deep and there was a day last week where I had left town and I had left the studio kind of a mess and I had left one of the heaters on and I got back and originally you weren't going to tell me that night you were gonna let me sleep the night and then tell me about it in the morning but you wound up telling me about it and immediately I felt guilty and I felt bad and there was some reason I had to go to the studio. And as I was going to the studio, I realized feeling guilty right now is not a helpful emotion. It's only going to keep me stuck in this behavior. And so I had resolved at that point to not feel guilty and to just think about the behaviors that I'm going to do in the future to not do that anymore. And then when I got back in the living room, you actually brought up that you didn't want me to feel guilty about it. And you pretty much reiterated what I had just told myself. And I also set, stepped in and said, you know, I'm not looking for an apology. I'm looking for amends. Mm-hmm. And when you apologize, it's kind of a slough-off. When you dedicate yourself to making amends, you're looking at, how can I correct this in my life? 
what do I need to do to put into place? And you start taking actions. And I think that's one of the keys for growth. But I wanted to jump in and mm -hmm. clarify that. And so you had me sit before you, and we went through a nursing, which is one of the things that we do together to really cement our bond together. And it's something that both you and I get a lot out of. And as I was nursing, I pictured bringing into myself and drinking in the power to change myself and the power to think about things before I either leave a room or leave for a few days and how I can change that behavior in the future. And also I drank in this warm, nurturing, loving energy because the reason that you give me these punishments is not so that you can release your anger on me. It is to feed me and to help me grow and to make me better. And I know that it comes from a place of love. And I was drinking in all that loving energy. I was also drinking in your sadistic energy because I knew that I had a punishment coming. And all of our nursings are really wonderful, but that one in particular was very, very, very powerful. You felt it and I felt it. And there was definitely this palpable energy exchange between us. And then you had me service you sexually a little bit. And before you had me nurse, you had given me the option of whether I would rather receive my punishment that night or receive it in the morning with the stipulation if I chose to receive it in the morning I was not allowed to go into the studio and start feeling guilty and bad about myself and I didn't I actually went and I filled my mind with good pure thoughts of the person that I was becoming, the idealized version of myself that I am working towards through the work that we do together. And then the next morning, after I woke up and did all my morning stuff, drinking water, taking medication, using the bathroom, and making sure that I was okay to go, then you had me go into your room and get in position. And I got into position and I had the writing crop in my mouth. And I was looking at your photo that's in the center of your altar and focusing my energy on that and drawing strength from the image of you. And you came in and you started the punishment and it was a really strong punishment because it was a behavior that I really really needed to change and because nothing bad happened but it was dangerous for me to leave that heater on 
And after this very strong punishment, you had me kiss your cock and then you had me laid back and you gave me some sexual touch and I was in subspace and I was really enjoying it and it felt like such a powerful feeling to me. And right as I thought we were done, you laid down and you put my head between your legs and I felt your balls on my my forehead and I felt you (laughs) jacking off and when that happened and this is an issue you and I have talked through that I am working on I have um, a problem with being caught off guard and that's something I'm trying to, to work through And I felt that feeling of being aggravated that I thought that the scene was over and I had had such a good scene and I thought I had reached a point of conclusion in the end. And then I was surprised and I felt these negative feelings come up. And as I felt those negative feelings come up, I was able to recognize them and to acknowledge those feelings and not automatically fight against myself or feel guilty for having those feelings. But I was able to recognize those feelings and still tell myself, this is not the time to be handling these feelings. Even though I had this initial aggravation, I can feel that what's going on right now is very important and I need to be here for this. And I was able to put those feelings to the back of my mind and really embrace what you were doing and you were rebirthing me so that I could come out of this experience a completely new person and I felt the power of it. And despite the initial negative feelings, I got into it and it felt really amazing and it was this powerful working that we were doing. And then you finished and I felt it run through my body and I sat there breathing with my eyes closed in this very floaty and ethereal world and it felt beautiful and amazing. And then... I realized those negative feelings were still in the back of my head. So I brought them back to the forefront of my thinking and I started sitting with myself and working through them. And you had tried to talk to me and I said that right now I need quiet, if that's okay. And you respected that and you just laid with me and... I realized that I had those negative feelings come up, but what wound up happening was really incredible. And one of the important things with working through these feelings, which is something I've been doing, is to not judge them harshly, to not 
beat myself up over it or just try to ignore them. It's to really acknowledge them and acknowledge what makes me feel that way and still understand that it's something that I need to work through. And I was able to work through it. And then after I worked through that, we started talking and we had this amazing conversation about the scene and everything that had happened. And it was such a strong bonding experience for us. It was absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that occurred during that, I felt some energy shifts and I felt you were ready to be pushed a little bit and to take you to a whole nother level. And that's part of the role I play as the dominant to make sometimes judgment calls and say, okay, this is a growth opportunity. And I go with the flow. I go with the part of myself that's not rational, that's very intuitive and work with the energies. And that's a big part of what BDSM is really all about. It's about reaching someone and giving them the tools to improve their lives. And I set very strong boundaries with you. I know you know that. <laughs> and I tell Paul from time to time, I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to give you the tools to fix yourself. And one of the things I like to do in BDSM is say, here's the tools, here's how to use them, apply it as you will. <laughs> I think one of the things I would like to say about that punishment is it wasn't about the heater so much. It wasn't about you leaving the studio in the mist. It was more about taking to heart my instructions, because I'd given you that instruction. And I think I clarified that at the time, that part of worship and part of devotion is really taking to heart my instructions, my will, and really being eager to serve that, not just give it lip service. And I think that's what was so powerful about that experience for both of us was I felt that a shift occur in you. I think that night and even the next morning during your punishment, I could sense that all of a sudden something shifted. And I know now that when I give you an instruction or when I give you an order, you will not let it go in one ear and out the other, you will take it to heart. And I think that was the lesson that I was bringing to you. Is that what you feel? I definitely do. And it's an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. I This wasn't the first time I've learned this lesson, but it was definitely the strongest time. And one of the things that's important to remember when you're making big life changes is that it doesn't happen overnight. It 
takes time. And as long as you are constantly progressing and constantly getting better, everyone will slip up from time to time. Everyone will make mistakes. But it's a crucial thing to not let that be an excuse to allow you to continue to fall into bad habits. It's very, very powerful. And one of the things that I really appreciate about you as a Dom, and I think it's one of the things that makes you a really incredible Dom, is that you are able to be stern with me and expect things of me while also being nurturing, while also being understanding. You listen to me, you really hear me, and take everything that I say into account, but you are able to maintain a strength and a dominance that helps me to make the life changes that I need to make. And part of the reason why this is such an important lesson for me is I am only going to be able to get as much out of my relationship with you as I put into it. And being able to follow your instructions fully every time is an integral part to me reaping the benefits that you are trying to give me. Mm-hmm. And for those listening, I would like to clarify a little bit on this because it may sound kind of out of context a little bit, but part of what I'm working on, Paul, with is organization, not just with things, but with behaviors and with giving his life uh, order, a pathway and a direction. And all these are important elements in doing that. And as I told you, it's not just that I want you to worship me. I want through the process of worshiping me, you will learn to worship yourself. Another one of those weird paradoxes in BDSM. (laughs) But it is powerful and it does work so amazingly well. And we're definitely going on a little beyond our usual time, but that's okay. Because this is such a... I wanted to give an insight tonight on not just how to do BDSM, but share a little bit about our experience with it. And it may or may not reflect your experience if you're into BDSM. BDSM can have so many different rich experiences in many different ways for so many different people. The way I approach it, I don't want another me out there, but I do want to give the toolkits so you can be the best you can be as either a dom or a sub. And so I provide the tools and allow 
people to define it within the context of where they want to go with this. But at least you get the toolbox. <laughs> and that's kind of my philosophy. I'm not here to fix anybody or make anybody better. I don't even try to fix Paul. I give him the tools. I give him the toolbox. I give him kind of the methodology and say, okay, you take the directions you want to go in your life. I'll support you in that. And I know that for me, I love sex and BDSM. I mean, I do combine the two fully. <laughs> I mean, every time I get into that sadistic mode, my dick gets super raging hard on. Oftentimes when I get in pure submissive mode with some of my dominance in the past, it gets just as hard. So <laughs> it is such an amazing thing. But I tie a lot, you know, sex is my passion. It enters into many parts of my life where I know for most people it's not ever going to be that way. It doesn't have to be. But I do want to give tools not just in BDSM, but in creating a sex-positive lifestyle, being able to follow where you want to go with your sexuality. And it's through these tools that you can do that. I don't want to define who you are. Hell, I have enough trouble defining who I am. <laughs> but what I am into is helping create a more sex-positive world by educating people and giving them the tools to transform and create a more meaningful life for themselves, however you define that. I'm not here to define your life. Just give you the tools to help you define it better. Any thoughts? I think that what I can say to sum up how I feel about using BDSM to heal yourself in a psychosexual way is that BDSM has a profound power if you respect it. And it takes a lot of respect on the part of both the dom and the sub, but there are so many different ways that it can change your life. Throughout the show, I've been sharing my experience. I've been sharing what the struggles I've had have been and how I'm going about changing them through BDSM. My struggles probably aren't your struggles. Everyone struggles with different things. But there is a way to use this tool to work on and change the things that you want to change in your life and bring about sustainable, long-term growth that can really feed you as a person. It's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know I've gone through everything that I put Paul through. I've gone through myself at, in some way or another. Maybe not the exact same specific things, but very similar. And 
I've never put someone through something that I haven't experienced myself directly. It's kind of one of my own self-rules as a dom. I want to take someone and know where I'm taking them. <laughs> and having been there, I know how the submissive mind works. Maybe not specifically how Paul's mind works exactly, or anybody else that I dominate, but I do know how the submissive brain works and how human psyche works, and, and so I can apply certain principles to that and create life transformations. I think that one of the things for me with BDSM was that it was so transformative. I was abused as a kid, physically and emotionally, not just by parents, but by the school system that didn't understand ADHD and dyslexia like they do now, and it's nowhere near perfect even now. There's a lot of problems with the system, but it was a lot worse when I was coming through it. <laughs> I can tell horror stories. <laughs> and I think one of the things that really helped me turn my life around was getting into BDSM and getting into sexualities as deeply as I do. Because to me, sex is such an amazing experience. It's so magical how I can even... Sometimes when I'm in kind of a bad mood, I can kind of raise that sexual energy and all of a sudden I'm feeling good again and back on track. And to me, that's very powerful. But I think even deeper, it's when we get into the spiritual side of sexuality, it's incredible. And when you combine that with BDSM, it's like, oh, I've died and gone to heaven, <laughs> so to speak. I mean, it's just, but I know I'm, I'm so deep into this stuff, and I can do amazing things with sexuality, that, and I've taken people amazing places that they never even dreamed they could get to. I know I've done that with you just through your abilities to receive erotic touch. We've opened that door wide open. And I think I'd like to kind of end the show on that note. Would you like to describe how touch has transformed and changed since we've been doing some workings in that area? After working with me for a while, the way that I experience sexual touch is completely different. I feel like my body is much more awake than it used to be. It's almost like the pump is primed from the beginning. I used to need a really long build-up to start feeling the amazing feelings that happen through sexual touch. And I think 
a lot of that had to do with the fact that for a very long time, I was actually much more interested in pleasuring my partner and my own pleasure was really mostly an afterthought for me. And through working with you and you focusing a lot of sexual touch on me and like doing it during scenes where I was strictly receiving, it completely opened me up. It opened my body up. It opened my mind up to be ready to receive that sexual touch and really enjoy it. And so when you start touching me, like I feel my body shudder sometimes. I feel the hairs on my skin stand on edge. I naturally fall into a breathing and I twist and uh, writhe with pleasure and I start moaning and it gets really, really powerful and I had never experienced anything like that with any of my previous partners at all. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I've been working with Paul for a while and for a long time I'd touch him and it was like, oh, it's just a brush of the skin. It feels kind of good. And and then I started working with him on raising sexual energy exercises and doing his meditations and morning affirmations. And then I started working with some tantric circles on his body. And now I can walk up to him and just start to touch with the feather-like touch. And it's like, I've hit him with a bolt of energy. It's like it goes all through him and he quivers and it's amazing. <laughs> and I wanted to share that because this potential is available for all of us. We can learn these things and I can give you the toolbox to bring about some of these changes in yourself and to learn techniques and it's not just things I know, it's things I've studied, it's learning the tantric techniques and some of the Taoist techniques. And, and I've thrown in a couple of my own discoveries through my journey in this process. You look like you have something to say. Oh no, I'm just content. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're to the end of the show and... I want to give one last little plug to ravenslayerleather.com. Check out our training videos. Explore. And even if you don't learn from me and through Ravenslayer, there are so many resources out there. Take time to learn about your body, your sexual body, and even your thresholds of pain and pleasure because erotic pain, the BDSM erotic pain can really bring you to a whole new state of consciousness 
in a whole new awareness. And so, take some time. Explore. I know it takes courage, if you've never experienced BDSM, to kind of explore it a little bit. But I do want to give word of safety caution. Do it through a BDSM group at a play party, not alone with someone you just met. Just for safety reasons, play with them first within a group. Get to know them. Sometimes people aren't what they seem at the surface. And I would never want to see someone just go trustingly to a dominance home and get misused. <laughs> and it's rare, but it is out there. So take precautions. Go to a play party and play at a play party where you have that safety net of kindred spirits. We're here to watch out for each other because we do live in a dangerous world. Any last thoughts? So on that note, one of the most important things in BDSM is finding a good match between a dom and a sub. Your needs are going to be unique, and if you take some time to explore and know what you're looking for and take time to get to know people, you can find a dom that is really wonderful for you. It's one thing to be at a play party and do a scene with someone. And that's that's a little easier to do. But when you actually sit down and really dedicate yourself to a dominant, make sure that they are going to be able to bring about the changes that you want to bring about and make sure that you're on the same page as the person that you are submitting to. Mm -hmm. And to help with that, in the BDSM basics training, I do have the BDSM interest evaluation. And that can help you identify, because I know a lot of people when they're first kind of exploring BDSM, they have no idea what they want. So it's a good way to explore and figure out what do I want to experience in all this. And then after you do that, you can share that with the dominant or if you're dom, share it with your sub and see how good a match you are in your interest areas. So we do have a good toolbox to explore and do all this safely. And yes, do... Start out at play parties, get to know people. And as you develop relationships and you develop that bond and that trust, and then go and have some private BDSM playtime. It can be powerful and amazing. And on that note, enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Explore, see where... All this can take you. If BDSM is for you, it isn't for everybody. But if it is, if you have that kind of, get that feeling of, ooh, this sounds kind of intriguing, 
this is something that's kind of turning me on. Oh, I'm getting kind of wet, and or I'm getting kind of a hard-on from this, or maybe not even a hard-on, maybe just excites you at some level. Then explore it. It's not for everybody, but it, it is for those who feel that little twinge of excitement or feel that kind of calling of desire towards this. Explore it, but explore it within the safety of a group. So explore, discover. We have such potential within our psychosexual bodies, within our minds, to reach new levels of ecstasy. Take some time and explore these things. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. With that, have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. It's a holiday story. It's a family story. It's a story of thousands of twinkling lights and countless memories. A story of crackling fireplaces and candlelight Christmas evenings, where the sounds of sleigh bells and carols echo all around. It's a story of peace and togetherness, of glittering ornaments, fragrant wreaths, and wide-eyed wonder. It's the enchanting story of a beloved tradition at America's largest home, with 250 magnificently decorated rooms, each with its own stories to tell. But all this can't begin to tell the full story of Christmas at Biltmore. Come walk in the footsteps of the Vanderbilt family 
and immerse yourself in a winter wonderland of endless holiday delights. Because as wondrous as the story of Christmas at Biltmore may be, it can never be complete without you. Plan your visit at Biltmore.com.